Everyone needs a pastor. A visit to the pastor's study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko with you. It's great to have you with us for another visit to the pastor's study. There's no doubt that the Bible, the Word of God, is uncompromising in condemning sexual sins. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart, declared the Lord Jesus Christ in his Sermon on the Mount. Sexual immorality and all impurity must not even be named among you as is proper among saints, writes the Apostle Paul to the church in the Greek city of Ephesus. Beloved, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, says the Apostle Peter, not speaking only of sexual sins, but surely regarding them as the most challenging passions of the flesh. And we could expand the list over and over again from both the Old and the New Testaments. Now, there's equally no doubt, especially since the introduction of the Internet in our national culture and in the world, that pornography writing and pictures designed to arouse sexual desire has become, well, it's become an epidemic. The statistics are simply and painfully staggering. Every second, $3,075.24 is spent on Internet pornography. 28,258 people are viewing pornography on the Internet, and 372 people are typing adult search terms. That's every second on the Internet. Every 39 minutes, a new pornographic video is produced in the USA, and that's just in the USA. While United States pornography revenues are difficult to calculate, we do know that the revenues from sexually explicit materials exceed the combined revenues of ABC, NBC, and CBS networks together. There are 4.2 million pornographic websites, 12% of the total number of websites. 42.7% of Internet users view pornography, and each day people send out over 2.5 billion emails with pornographic content, 2.5 billion with a B. Nearly 48% of people in the United States say that pornography is a problem in their homes, and sadly, the statistics for pornography viewing by professing Christians appears to be pretty much the same as the statistics for pornography use among non-Christians. About 50% of church-going men admit to struggling with pornography or pornographic addiction. Now, Given these statistics, and there are so many more that just boggle the mind, we shouldn't be surprised that people's consciences regarding pornography are becoming dull, and what the Bible calls a seared conscience, or hardness of heart. A recent Gallup poll reveals that while 55% of Americans oppose pornography, 43% find it quote-unquote morally acceptable to look at pictures of nudity or other sexually explicit behavior. That figure, incidentally, is up by 13% since 2011 and by 7% since 2017. 
And with this torrent of sexually explicit pictures, videos, and actual electronic interaction, well, comes the inevitable social consequences, the twisting of relationships of men and women in the workplace, on the streets, and in the home. Viewing men and women in sexual terms and often very lewd ones, rather than with respect for manhood and womanhood. Fantasies over porn stars replacing faithful intimacy with one's spouse and the increasing violation of youthful innocence as child pornography breaks down the barriers against incest and rape. But what's often missed in the war against pornography is the fact that this is not just a man's problem. Increasingly, pornography is becoming an addiction for women. Recent surveys indicate that over 9.3 million women access adult websites every month. According to a study in the Journal of Adolescent Research, 49% of young adult women agree that viewing pornography is, quote, an acceptable way of expressing one's sexuality, end quote. One in seven teenage girls view online pornography for half hour or more at a time. Another study indicates that 45% of 13 to 17-year-old girls habitually and compulsively watch porn. In a 2018 study, about one-third of women in the United States, 32% to be exact, are okay with pornography. That's a 5% increase in just over a year. And 34% of church-going women say that they have intentionally visit, visited pornographic websites. Now, again, the statistics are pretty much the same for professing Christians and for non-Christians. Well, years ago, I wrote two articles on the peril of pornography. I was addressing men with no idea that the peril was also for women. And for that reason, today's program is entitled The Perils, plural, of pornography. Perils for both men and women. I'm thankful that Jamie Dean, national editor for World Magazine, drew attention to the perils of pornography for women in her article, Lustful Eyes. And here's how that article begins. Jessica Harris was 13 years old when her online research for a school project returned a handful of harmless science videos and one website that changed the course of her life, a link to hardcore pornography. Harris was shocked, but curious. It was like watching a train wreck, she says. You know it's bad, but you can't look away. And the next time she went online, Harris knew how to find the site again. And even though what she had seen was vile, it was a war of emotions, she says. Harris lost the war. Now, that's just the introduction to Jamie Dean's article. The war of emotions is the perils of pornography. Perils for men and also for women. Well, that's our topic for today's visit to the pastor's study. My guest is Jamie Dean, the author of the World Magazine article, Lustful Eyes. She'll tell us more about what she found as she did her research for this sobering article. 
Now remember that this program invites you to visit the pastor's study by way of your phone calls or text. To be on air as part of the program, just call 631-955-5400. Jot the number down, 631-955-5400. Or you can text your questions anytime during the week if you want, but particularly for the program. Text number only, 516-36791. Put that under Pastor Bill. I love to get your text questions. I should correct that. It's 516-367-0391. Just for the text questions, put that under Pastor Bill. Anyway, for now, Jamie Dean, National Editor of World Magazine. Welcome again to a visit to the Pastor's Study. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you with us, Jamie, from beautiful North Carolina. Jamie, what got you interested in writing the article, Lustful Eyes? Well, as you mentioned in your introduction, it's really no secret that men struggle and sin in this area, and really, as you call that, epidemic proportions. But I was also beginning to run across articles and interviews just here and there, that were pointing out that this is a problem for women, too. And some of those articles were written by women who had struggled with sin in this area. So I started reaching out to some of those women. I reached out to Jessica Harris, the young woman that you talked about in the introduction that was in my story. Um, I spoke with a woman named Marty Faree at Bethesda Workshops, who works in this specific area. And then I reached out to Harvest USA, which is really kind of my go-to source on these kinds of issues. And I spoke with Ellen Dykus, who works with women struggling with sexual sin or who are in relationships with people that do. And so I got in touch with them, and they um, got me in touch with some people who who had struggled in this area, who were sinning in this area and were battling through it, Christians who were battling through these areas. And I began to listen to some of their stories, which really helped me to get an idea of how this affects women in particular and kind of some of the unique struggles that they're facing within this. Uh, and I want to get to that a little bit later because I think people think what why why do women get involved with with uh, pornography but but Jamie from your research I mean how serious is the problem of pornography for women what what did what did you find in your research Well you know as you mentioned um pornography statistics are sometimes hard to come by in terms of reliable statistics I mean sometimes people just might not truthfully answer questions of this nature uh, you know, other times different groups are interviewing different kinds of people. And so you'll see a range of numbers. But um, we do know in general that more men are indulging in this sin than women. We see that in the sheer numbers that are out there. But we are also seeing what I really think is a, a quite a notable rise in the number of women who are viewing pornography, particularly among younger women. Uh, one Barna study that I found said that 33% of women ages 13 to 24 were seeking out pornography at least once a month. So we, we know that women in all age groups can struggle with this, but in that young age group, it really seems to be on the rise. You know, part of that is the technological savvy of that age group. They have phones. And they know how to use them. They know how to hide things from their parents sometimes. And they also face the enormous pressures of others who are doing the same thing. And so they get drawn in and this snowball. So, so again, while I think men are struggling with it in bigger numbers, it is something that is affecting women and even girls and sometimes young girls. And that is on the rise. J- Jamie, you, you give uh, stories in, in your article, Lustful Eyes, about 
uh, specific women who became entangled in pornography. How do, how does that happen for when you mentioned some of it? I mean, there's peer pressure and uh, but but there's got to be more to it than that. Yeah, you know, I, I talked to different women, and they had different stories, which was helpful because because different people um, are experiencing it in different ways. Uh, Jessica Harris, the, the young woman at the beginning of my story, who has since written a book about her journey out of pornography, thankfully, um, she talked about you know stumbling on this during a science project research online. She comes across this hardcore. A pornography video and is drawn into it and really quickly addicted to this in a way that she didn't really even understand at the time. And even now, it's hard for her to really grasp why she couldn't stop. This was a, a Christian young woman who was a, um, in her youth group. She was um, a leader in her youth group. She was doing well in school. There was nothing on the outside that would have indicated that this was going on with her, but there was this pull to this um, that was very hard for her to get away from. One of the interesting things that I came across pretty early on in my research was how uh, the way women are interacting with porn has evolved over the last 20 years or so. You know, it used to be that um, women were more drawn in by stories. They were more fantasy-based, so maybe they got involved in reading tawdry novels or the Harlequin romance kinds of novels that eventually evolved into fully pornographic novels like Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, and, you know, that may still be true, and I think that is still true to some extent today, as is evidenced by the success of a, of a novel like Fifty Shades of Grey. But what some people were telling me was, you know, with the rise of pornography on the Internet in particular, and as more and more men began looking at more and more extreme images, women um, started thinking, well, this is what men expect. This is what they're looking for. And so I guess I better find out what they're looking for. I mean, it's so tragic, even as I, as I say it. But that drew women into viewing more and more hardcore pornography, more and more extreme images. And so I think that's a significant shift. Sometimes we think of women as as being more in this fantasy realm, whereas really now many of them are looking at the very same kinds of things that men are looking at. So you have people who stumble into it. You have people who are trying, women who are trying to find out what men are looking for. And then I would, I would mention a third category. And there was one woman I spoke with who she also had somewhat stumbled on pornography, but went seeking it out after that. And what she said was so interesting to me. She said, you know, this for me did not start out about sex at all. She said, this was not about a sexual impulse for me. She said, I was lonely. I was a single woman living by myself, and I desired intimacy. I desired a relationship, and I started looking at things on the Internet, and I, and I got drawn more and more into it, and it really was more about this relational poverty that I was feeling that led me into this kind of sin. So I think it's really important to remember that women are engaging this in a range of ways and that there is usually something much deeper that's driving that impulse. That's fascinating. There's just all kinds of shows that could be done to deal with that. I think of Sherry Turkle's book, Alone Together, uh, in which she develops the fact that as connected as we are in our culture with with the internet and with cell phones and with all all other means of communication we really are a very lonely generation and what you're saying is that that also fuels not just men looking at pornography but women as well 
I think so. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing studies lately that say we we are the most lonely generation uh, in history as far as whatever studies have come out, and that is so fascinating to think we're the most connected and yet we are the most lonely, which tells us something about the way we're using technology, engaging with technology, and even how we're communicating with each other. I mean, that's a whole a whole other conversation, but how even in healthy relationships we sometimes skip that personal interaction. We're satisfied with these technological engagements that are, are still in those ways isolating us too. So so it is an important part of this to look yeah. at. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, and, and I think it's important to emphasize to the audience that whenever you have uh, technological change, as we had when we went uh, from oral communication to what we knew of as movable-type printing, from which we would get printed books and so on, uh, there were tremendous cultural changes that came then, and it took a lot of assessment and time to process what those changes were, which ones were beneficial, which ones weren't, and how to help. I think that's that's what we're dealing with here. J- Jamie, I'm probably being <laughs> simplistic in this, uh, but it used to be you'd say, well, men men are attracted to sight. It doesn't take much for a man's uh, sight to <laughs> ignite him sexually and so on. Whereas women respond more to, to touch and to words and to that personal uh, communication, is that so much no longer true, or is that being twisted by the culture? Or uh, obviously, that's a rather simplistic way to look at things. Correct. Well, you know, it is complicated, of course, and again, it's different for different people. But I think you're seeing a combination of those things coming together. Again, I, I just go back to um, to women who are who are working with women in these areas and who are, who are saying, you know, I'm surprised to see the shift of women looking at more and more extreme pornography. But even among those women, the, the ones that are looking at more and more extreme images, again, I think these women counselors would say a lot of that is driven by a desire to be in a relationship, and that is often, or, or sometimes in these specific cases, that's with a man who's looking at these things himself. And so this, this, these women think, how do I live up to that? And I'll look at it, you know, for that reason. So, so my, you know, I don't have exhaustive studies on this, but my sense of that is that the way men and women are made is still certainly the same, um, but but these new technologies are twisting what's happening with that, and yeah. it's drawing people into these things in, in more and more extreme ways. Yeah, I thought that when I was even preparing the monologue, because your immediate thought goes to Jesus' words, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. And today, we could just as well say, if a woman looks at a man to lust after him, she has committed adultery in her heart. I think that, that that's kind of where we're going with this. Our, my guest today is is Jamie Dean. Jamie is the, is the national editor, and I might add she's a very accomplished journalist, I've often told people that if Jamie were not a committed Christian, she already would have won a, a Pulitzer Prize for her writing. But Jamie is a national editor for World Magazine. We're talking about her article, Lustful Eyes, which you can access at the World Magazine website. We're going to come back after a, a message from the voice of the pastor's study, and let's talk about some of the effects of uh, pornography involvement on both men and women. But here, here's the message from the voice of the pastor's a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York, 
Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you today. We're uh, kind of launched from an article by Jamie Dean, who is the uh, national editor for World Magazine, the article entitled Lustful Eyes, and we're dealing with the perils, plural, of pornography, the perils for both men and women. If you'd like to call in with your questions, 631-955-5400, 631-955-5400, or you can text your questions. Many of you prefer to do that, 516-367-0391. And I'd add, your text questions really can be about anything. Uh, we have uh, monthly open forums, or we have them coming up. And uh, any questions that don't pertain to the particular program, we deal with in the open forums. We love your text questions, 516-367-0391. Jamie, um, talk with us a little bit about some of the effects on both men and women who become involved in pornography. Yeah, I mean, it's such a broad question because the effects can just be so detrimental. Uh, for, for both men and women, this really can become um, something like a life-controlling compulsion. I mean, I think we heard that in the numbers that you mentioned at the beginning of the program. Every second, people are searching for pornography on the Internet. I mean, that just tells us something right there about about how uh, controlling this becomes for some people. It's It becomes much like an addiction to a drug. And, and like a drug, it requires more and more extreme doses, so to speak, in order to achieve whatever effect the user is looking for. And we, we're starting to find out that that's not just an emotional issue. Um, that is a physical issue. That is, that is actually happening in people's brains. Yes. This, is, this is rewiring the mind. And so you consider, I mean, what, what are we saying when we say, it, we say it becomes more and more extreme? Well, in, in one study I came across, researchers found that in some of the most watched pornography, 88% of the scenes contained physical aggression or physical violence, almost always directed at women. 
I mean, that's pretty staggering to think that this is the sex education that teenage boys are going to get when they're when they're looking at pornography as they're growing up and teenage women. Um, that's telling boys something about how they should treat women, and it's telling women something about how they should expect to be treated by men. So just consider, when we talk about effects, how we could be shaping an entire generation, not only their view of sex, but their view of relationships with one another. I mean, this is this could be a, a serious generational crash that's coming if these numbers of people that are looking at this continue. And then, of course, um, it's obviously detrimental to to adult relationships, to marriages. I mean, plenty of marriages, and I'm sure you've seen this as a pastor, have been just devastated by by pornography. Um, husbands who can't think of their wives in healthy ways anymore, and wives who are just devastated that their husband would go um, somewhere outside of their marriage, and particularly somewhere like this, in order to receive some level of satisfaction. So that becomes a very complicated, difficult thing to unwind. And then there are others who are maybe single or maybe alone, and it can be very, very difficult for them to even know how to form a healthy relationship. Some would say, I'd I can't form a relationship. That's not why I'm in, that's why I'm not in a relationship. I heard one woman say that I think that's probably why I'm not in a relationship because I don't even know where to begin and thinking about this in a healthy way. So just vast numbers of really detrimental effects, I think. Jamie, it perplexes me when we talk about women's involvement in pornography, although it should also affect a man's involvement. The degradation of women, turning them into objects for a man's uh, sexual desires are often very kinky. Doesn't that turn the women off? One would think it would. I mean, one would think it would. And so, you know, yeah, I, I haven't read women who are talking specifically about how they are responding to what they're seeing themselves. More of what I ran across was um, how they're how they're seeking to be involved in a relationship with someone else again. Um, I mean, the exception of that would be Jessica Harris, the woman I spoke with at the beginning of that article. Um, She was drawn into that in a way, again, that she almost couldn't explain. Um, And it it is hard to enter into that. I mean, I think particularly for those of us who have not viewed these images, it's hard for us to to understand it. Uh, But but clearly, I think what people who have been involved in it, what researchers are telling us is that there's there's something very potent about this, even even for women, for whatever reason, whether it's relational or whether it's biological and different people are made in, in different ways, but, but one would think it would repulse women. And, you know, I, I've seen interviews with women who have left the pornography industry, and they say being in that industry, obviously, was extremely degrading and, and extremely abusive to them. And yet they they stayed in that industry. Um, so one of these one of these things where sin just darkens things no. in a way that's that's almost hard to get our minds around. Even the phrase the pornography industry, mm-hmm. in which humanity and and uh, what I call the holy of holies of human relationships, sexuality, are, are treated like things that come off an assembly line. I mean, even that that affects the way. We think. Um, yeah, I think too, Jamie. When you mentioned my pastoral ministry, uh, now nearly forty years, there are certain things, uh, kind of like proverbs. You know, there there are what is it, six things that are too difficult, seven for me <laughs> to understand. One of the hardest things for me to understand is how 
women, respectable women, will allow themselves to be get to be uh, to come into relationships and stay in them, where in various ways they're abused and almost feel as if that they need that or deserve it. I just think it's it's one of the kinks that that comes in a fallen world. J- Jamie, you mentioned in in your article, lustful eyes. After you talk about the, the the help that comes to men in churches, women are languishing too. Could you unpack that for us a bit? Yeah, you know, I think the reason that they're languishing is some of what we're talking about right now, because this has really been viewed um, primarily as a man's problem. And so we talk about this often in the context of, of men, and I think especially in the church, we often hear about this in the context of men. And so there are women who are struggling with this, who are sinning in these areas, and they feel like they're suffering in silence because they don't know who to go to for help. If no one is acknowledging that this is a problem for women, then they feel very freakish is really the word that I, that I heard. Mm-hmm. You know, Jessica Harris, again, she was um, attending a Bible college right after high school, was still very much involved in pornography, and actually the school caught her. They, they realized that the, I guess, the IP address she was using was looking at just volumes and volumes of pornography. And so when they called her down to the dean's office, they reprimanded her for having given her password to a male student, which had not happened, but they assumed she couldn't have been doing this. They were so sure that this was a man's problem that they didn't even confront her for pornography use. And she said that was the most isolating moment that she remembers in this whole ordeal for her, was thinking, what is wrong with me? There is no one else like me out there. And so I think that is one of the primary ways that women are really languishing in this area. Yeah, of course, this is one of the reasons I was so glad for your article is you just have to draw attention to it. As I mentioned in my monologue some, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago when I uh, wrote these two articles on the perils of pornography uh, or the peril of pornography, it was focused at men. I just didn't even have it on my radar screen that women would deal with these things. And now to read these statistics, so this is really kind of a learning curve, right, for people? I think so. I mean, I think there are plenty of wonderful pastors who have probably just never considered this. This has just never come into their minds. And and really, there are plenty of women who've never considered this. I mean, there are lots of women who will find this very hard to wrap their minds around. And so, and so yes, I mean, I don't think that there's been this intentional backlash against women. I mean, I'm sure that's happened to some extent, but, but I think it's less an intentional uh, attempt to to thwart women in their desires to leave sin behind, and it is just not realizing it's out there. But but considering the, the again the numbers that we're talking about, the proliferation of this on the internet and in society, how could it not affect women? I mean, really, it's 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 out there. Women are facing it, and, and we really have to kind of come to grips with that. Yeah, of course. My, one of my questions we all have this is: these are people who are being honest, and they're they're coming forward with. You wonder how many people are just male and female are not opening up but of course you also there's there's a dynamic here uh, a man will, will will rather freely open up to a, another man knowing a man will struggle with these things but it's very very awkward for a woman to come to a male pastor and open up about these things and and I that's why I would make a plea to pastors who are listening take uh, the second chapter of of the Bible's book of Titus and the role of older women 
uh, being helpers to younger women, uh, realizing really the, these are the, are the people that should be uh, trained in, in, in dealing with this. My guest today is Jamie Dean. Uh, Jamie is the national editor of World Magazine, and we're writing, so talking specifically about her article, uh, Lustful Eyes on the Perils, plural, of pornography. And if you want to call with your questions, 631-955-5400. Or you can text your question, if you'd like, to Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. Text questions only, 516-367-0391. Just a moment uh, to tell you that this program is presented by a group of Orthodox Presbyterian churches. That's a particular denomination of Christians and these are churches of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church that are in East Haddam. We have Harvest Church, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamden, Connecticut, one in Mount Vernon, New York, uh, the one in Fresh Meadows, Queens, that's known as Reformation Presbyterian Church, and then Orthodox Presbyterian congregations in Franklin Square in uh, here on Long Island and Syosset, known as Trinity Church, and then uh, right nearby our studio in Bohemia, New York. We have a Bohemian Orthodox Presbyterian Church, which is not Bohemian, uh, but, but it's in the formerly Czech community of Bohemia. And uh, we'd like you to visit those churches. They're not the only faithful churches in our area, but they are faithful churches, and we commend them to you. There are podcasts of this program, Visit to the Pastor's Study, available. All you've got to do is Google Visit the Pastor's Study. If it's all one word, visit thepastorsstudy.org. And I would particularly commend to you another program with our guest today, Jamie Dean, uh, in which she was uh, did a program with Tim Geiger of Harvest USA, The Transgender Revolution which has helped many people get a, a biblical framework for dealing with the, the what's called gender dysphoria in our culture. Uh, but that's called the, the Transgender Revolution that came out in April of 2017. And then also connected with what we're dealing with, the, the way a mediated world, especially of, of electronic media, very impersonal media that, that communicates personality, really affects in so many ways, negatively and I guess positively too, the way we think the program Living Wisely in Our Mediated World, Living Wisely in Our Mediated World. My guest is Dr. Gregory Reynolds, who is one of the foremost authorities from a Christian perspective on the subject of media ecology. I can't commend that program too much to you, Living Wisely in Our Mediated World, May of 2017. Please like us on Facebook and become part of our increasing number of followers. Do a visit to the Pastor's Study on Facebook. If you'd like to email me with your questions, comments, suggestions, visit Pastor Bill. That's all one word. Visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. We're dealing today with lustful eyes, the perils, plural, of pornography. My guest is Jamie Dean, uh, whose article, Lustful Eyes, was in the magazine for which she writes, World Magazine. If you'd like to call in with your question, 631-955-5400. If you want to do that, do it soon. Uh, don't want to get a backlog of questions at the end of the program. Text number 516-367-0391. Jamie, let's... Uh, Let's stop focusing on the darkness uh, in your World Magazine article, Lustful Eyes. You mention, I love the way you put it, a few slivers of light that seep through the cracks of an otherwise dark pit. Uh, Jamie, we need some slivers of light. What can you give us? Well, you know, one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting, and this is something that I want to continue to follow and report on, 
is is the the secular backlash against pornography. Now, it's not substantial. I mean, obviously, still, there's this huge multi-billion dollar industry devoted to this, but there are people, secular people, who don't identify as religious at all, who are beginning to say, look, this is really harmful. So much so that there are four states that have actually declared pornography uh, a health epidemic, uh, you know, that, that, it's, that it's that much of a problem, it poses that much of a problem. And there were a couple of interesting examples of, of secular uh, people who were, were talking about this. There's a feminist college professor named Gail Dines, and she's written about this for many years, I think all the way back into maybe the 70s and 80s, and she keeps pointing out how bad this is for women. And that's really kind of interesting because, you know, it used to be that there were quite a few feminists who were against pornography. I mean, it was just very clear to them they were for women, and pornography was not and is not for women. Um, it, it's not good for them. It's not good for the women who are in it. It's not good for women when uh, men watch this. And so it used to be a feminist cause to be against pornography to some degree. But I think that as the permissiveness of our culture, the, the post-truth nature of our culture, and the every, anything that anybody wants goes aspect of culture continued to grow, uh, that dropped off the radar screen of lots of feminists. But there are still some of, some of those women who are talking about it. And there are men who are talking about this, too, who are, who are in the secular world. Um, there's an interesting group called Fight the New Drug. And this is a group of young men with no public religious affiliation who just knew other guys who were being swallowed up by pornography. They saw their friends being buried by this oppressiveness of, of pornography. And so they began to do some really good work on publishing studies about how pornography affects the brain. We were talking about that earlier. Um, and, and really the physical effects of pornography on the human brain, how it can literally rewire it in many ways. And so I think it's a very good thing when we see people in the secular world seeing what we see from a biblical perspective as well. They're seeing just the, the natural, clear-cut evilness of pornography and how it affects people. Um, so I think those are slivers of light. And I also think that um, churches have become more and more aware of this or are willing to talk about this more and more, particularly when it comes to men. And they're more open to helping, perhaps, than they have been in the past or, or learning how to help than they have been in the past. So I think all of those are, are good things that we're beginning to see. Jamie, what did you learn in your research about how uh, churches are, are probably best to say beginning to help in these areas, not, not only with men but also with women? Well, I think, you know, I think there's an openness to just acknowledging that this is a problem. I think we're hearing pastors from the pulpit acknowledge that when they preach about sexual sin, that this is one of them. This is absolutely something that people in their congregation are struggling with. Um, and so I think there's, there's more of an openness. And my sense is that that openness is more among men, that men are probably, since they're using pornography more, they're probably more likely to talk to each other about it more if they're struggling with it. So, so I think, uh, I think for one thing, the, the, the openness is there. It's not this, um, this not this sin that, that can never be discussed. You know, I, I think that basic first step is happening. And I think there are people that are writing good books and there are resources that are available that some churches are connecting with as well. So that general, general awareness and that learning how to begin to take the first steps, I think some of that is beginning to happen. Yeah, I, it's interesting, Jamie. I, I think that 
if we were to go you know, go back in a time machine uh, half a century or three quarters of a century ago, of course, we didn't have the, the problem of the Internet, didn't even have the Internet. But even if pastors were to mention something like this, anything about sexual sin in the pulpit, I wouldn't be surprised if there would be pastors who would be asked to leave their pulpits. And it seems that, especially from the 1960s and 1970s, people became more open about discussing these things. And now, of course, it's wrong if it's not being discussed in a church context. Did you happen to, in your research for your article, Jamie, did you happen to speak with any pastors as well? I did not speak with pastors. I mostly spoke with women who were helping other women. Okay. Um, you know, Ellen Dyke of Harvest USA did talk a little bit about um, about you know how churches can help. Uh, and, and just on this on this note as well, I didn't talk with pastors, but I did talk with women who told me what it was like to hear their pastor talking to them, which was kind of interesting. interesting. And one of the things they said was, you know, I hear my pastor talk about sexual sin, and I hear him say, "Now, men, be aware." That you need to you need to look out for pornography, and if you're involved in this, you need to find another man to help you. And so they're hearing their pastors say this is a problem, but they're hearing them say this is a man's problem. And again, that's isolating for them. And so, so one of the small things that perhaps a pastor could do is when he's when he mentions this from the pulpit, maybe just acknowledge that there might be women in their congregation that are struggling too, and and be aware of how women are hearing that. So that was interesting to me to hear women talk about hearing their pastors talking about this. Yeah, I think. Even the the text that I used from from the book of Ephesians, when Paul says these things of sexual immorality are not even to be named among the saints. Now, if you take that literally, Paul has contradicted himself because he's he's named these things among the saints. And I think that may short circuit uh, some people dealing with this publicly. The fact of the matter is, what he's saying there, I believe, is more... Don't don't be light about these things. Don't be trite about them. Don't don't take them loosely. Uh, there there shouldn't be things of jokes. And 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 even there, I think that what we're dealing with today on the radio should not be. I think even common fare. Just having it on our minds can make people more prone to to give themselves to this. So we really, you know, it's a it's a delicate area. When you talked with the the women, Jamie, who who are working with ladies in this. What kinds of things do they say to women? What kinds of uh, practical counsels they, do they give them to help them? I mean, accountability is the obvious thing, but what were the other things? Well, you know, Ellen Dyke has talked a lot about just listening to a woman's story, listening to what's going on in her life, listening to what she's struggling with that seemingly has nothing to do with pornography. She said that's actually where you're going to find the connection. Um, listening to, to what else is going on in her heart and and trying to find out what might be the deeper root here. Where where are the places in her life where she's has you know relational brokenness or sins of other kinds that might be contributing to this? So so a willingness to listen to a woman um, before you rush in with a specific solution yeah. for her um, that would be that would be one thing that that Ellen Dykus talked about. Something that Jessica Harris talked about that I thought was really interesting is she said when she finally found help, and she found help at another Bible college that she enrolled in, she said there was actually a little team that helped her, which I was really glad to to hear about Christian leaders at the school who kind of came around her. And she said, you know, there was only one person that regularly engaged me to talk about pornography, and and she said that person was, was faithful to do that. But what they really worked with me on was just broader Christian discipleship. That this wasn't yeah. just about this one sin in 
my life. But this was about a, a much broader issue of how am I following Christ? How is my soul leaning into Christ on a, on a daily basis? And, and that, that bigger picture of Christian discipleship, um, I think, is where a lot of this has to go. I, I think we tend to think in the Church, well, this is above our pay grade. We better go find a counselor that can help this person. And maybe that might be true. I mean, maybe they might need some outside counseling. But there's... I think what these ladies would say is that there's no sin that's really above the church's pay grade, because we have the Bible, we have the scriptures, and we have things in common with each other. We all struggle with sins on some levels, and so and so we have that. So, so I think there was an eagerness among these ladies to see churches willing to, to help with this in-house um, as much as possible and, and to, to relate to women on those levels. Yeah, you know, to say to say that dealing with this sin is above the pay grade of the church is a little bit like saying that that dealing with cancer is above the pay grade of a hospital. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to right. deal yeah, with. Yeah, but, but that is, you know, we we essentially not we, but, but many churches essentially outsourced things like homosexuality for years. I mean, they said, oh, that person is struggling with homosexuality. We better go find a better go find a group that can help them. Right? I mean, that that happened a lot. And and I think that the church kind of began to realize maybe that was a mistake. And, and oh yeah, we can we can help deal with this. And this would be one of those sins as well. Well, let's don't let's don't outsource people and farm them out in a way that makes them feel like oh boy, I've got the thing that no one can fix, right? Yeah. Um, and and so I, I think that that's one of the steps to take there. Yeah, actually, yeah, that whole point. Another thing, Jamie, I've, I've thought about is as I've mused over this, and of course, as I've seen the changes. Uh, in our culture over these years of ministry, uh, it, it seems to me that that love, just giving yourself for the good of someone else within marriage, certainly for your spouse and your children, and for those who are singles, giving themselves in, in love for those around them to help them out, it, it seems that that others, healthy other centeredness, w- would be would be something have something of of a, of a stanching effect on on the issues of pornography. Am, am I right? I think so. I mean, when you hear these women, especially again and again, talk about this relational brokenness, um, it does seem like this is a crying out for connection. This is a crying out for connection with the Lord and a crying out with, for connection with others. So, so yes, I, I think that would be a place to start is making sure that we are in these Christian, healthy Christian relationships with each other, um, in ways that aren't just about one sin, but that are about a whole life yeah. of, of living together in, in this kind of Christian love. Yeah, I think it's so important to point out, as all those who've studied the doctrine of holiness over the years, sins are not committed in isolation. Uh, the, the outcropping of one is going to be related to many, many others. So this is part of the whole program of holiness. Hey, Jamie, tell us, uh, before you, you go, tell us a little bit more about World Magazine and how we can find out more about it. Sure. Well, World Magazine is a, a Christian news magazine written from a, a biblical perspective as, as best we can. Uh, and so we cover a range of issues, news and, and cultural issues like this. Um, you can find us online at WNG.org. Um, we also have a daily podcast five days a week where we do a news roundup and some other features. So uh, listeners can find that on our website as well. Um, we have a website that, that has some more daily news, too. So so we try to package those things together and, and stay on top of the news as best we can. Excellent. So that's that's it's, it's world.wng.org or com or what? 
Yeah, if you if you just put in WNG, yeah. which is World News Group, WNG.org okay. will take you there. Or you can just Google World Magazine, yeah, and it'll pop up. <laughs> yeah, of course, today with Google searches, <laughs> so many That's other things. True. Yeah, you look for World Magazine and look for official site. Hey, Jamie, thanks so much for being with us once again on a visit to the, the pastor's study. Let me close the program with just a few minutes of counsel from the pastor's study, because that's what this program is. It's a visit to the pastor's study, dealing with any sin, whether it be sexual sin or whatever it would be. You've got to be honest. Uh, the principle in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, where it's not always true, but you get the point. You begin by saying, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I am an alcoholic. Well, when, when the Lord Jesus breaks the power of reigning sin, you're not. But the point here is honesty. Uh, all of you men and women and boys and girls, you've got to be honest before God about the sins that you're dealing with and and genuine commitment to Christ. What does that mean, to be honest about your sin. Well, the flip side of that coin is you've got a sin bearer. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners. And and the beautiful thing there, we're talking about relational things, is when you come to Christ in faith, you're united with him by grace through faith. He is He is your husband, he is your friend, he is your lover, he is your, your spouse, he is your Lord, he is your Savior, he's your all in all, and grasp that beauty of the gospel. Then your identity, see, is in Christ. You're a Christian, you're a Christ follower. Don't identify yourself with your struggles, with your sin. Uh, I am. I'm a, I love to say I am a sinner saved by grace. I continue to sin, and yet the Lord has saved me, and as it were, he continues to do that. And then remember that, that in the Christian life, if you call Jesus your Savior, he is your Lord, then you will follow him, and that is discipline. The Great Commission is go make disciples of, of all of the nations. And, th and that means you follow the Lord Jesus faithfully. Don't deceive yourself on that point. Our Christian faith is not a, a head trip with Jesus. It, it is a heart trip, and it is a, and it is a, a full-bodied trip in which you follow the Lord. And then when you're dealing especially with sexual sin, as I mentioned earlier, sexuality is the holy of holies of human existence. It is the most intimate part of our being, and, and we could develop that from the Bible as, as the Bible deals with it. It's, it's designed to reflect the union of Christ and the church, and therefore you can expect the world and the flesh and the devil would particularly battle in this area of sexual sin. Never forget it is a life and death battle. Or Book of Romans chapter 8 and, and verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, uh, what, what Jamie was outlining earlier in the program, that's living according to the flesh. It's what your, your peers do. It, it's what the world says is morally acceptable or whatever. It's a, it's a system uh, that is not in line with what God says. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, that is by the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live uh, not just eternal life, but what's in here is also the beauty of, of what Jesus calls life and even more abundant life in the Lord Jesus. But it's a battle. You're on a battlefield. You've got to fight, and you've got to fight to win. And, and there I would remind you again, you get your help in a local church, a local church that is faithful to the Word of God, a church that, that makes Jesus Christ front and center, 
because Jesus Christ is the, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Old Testament, those books that were written before Christ came, and they give shadows of the Lord Jesus and, then, and of his work. And in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, who says that he he came to fulfill all the things and the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning himself. And in the New Testament, that, that opens up kind of like a the bud that the Gospels are. The New Testament in flower form tells you the, the wonders of the Christian life. You've got to be in a faithful local church that will minister to you from the pulpit and minister to you one-to-one. Uh, we're living in a day in which people think of, of ministry as a television ministry and watching a man on a screen and, and, and being satisfied with that. That is absolutely, unequivocally wrong. Uh, you have to be part of a local body where you function with other men and women and, and boys and girls, where you are accountable to pastors or to elders in, in churches, and, and where you know there will be that care of your own soul uh, as the Word of God is ministered. There's all kinds of helps for you in dealing with uh, with uh, lustful eyes, sexual sin. We've mentioned some of them. Harvest USA, uh, led by the executive director, Tim Geiger. I highly recommend Harvest USA. It's an organization you can Google these names. XXX Church, make sure you use it as all one word, XXX Church has had quite a ministry, particularly to men dealing with sexual sins, also to women, and for accountability using your electronic devices, probably the most well-known site is Covenant Eyes, Covenant Eyes. You can look that up. And then especially for women, uh, the group led by Jessica Harris, Beggar's Daughter, based on her book, a very helpful organization, Beggar's Daughter. Bethany Workshops are a particular help to women struggling with sexual sins. And then, I don't like the name of it, but this is what it's called, Dirty Girls Ministry, Ministry to Girls Struggling with Sexual Sin, all one word, Dirty Girls Ministry. Those can be of help to you. We are all in this together, brothers and sisters. The battle is the Lord's. Always look to him for grace and mercy and strength. Remember, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. My thanks to Jamie Dean. She is the national editor of World Magazine for being with us today. Look up WNG, World News Group, WNG.com or org, and uh, you'll find out more there. Hey, we appreciate your feedback, your questions. Email me, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Remember, Tomorrow is the Lord's day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the word of God, makes Jesus front and center. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, by the Holy Spirit, grant grace, strength, and help to all struggling with all sins. May they know what it is to come to a faithful Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.